comes goes to Curry. Curry gets it ahead to Gretzky. Gretzky going in. Suter trying to get back. Gretzky with a shot. He's They're going to try here. Rushing the center and down the lane. It is Marshall. Scores! Marshall scores! Moving on. Rendemore at the far side. That's broken. Here's a break. And it's Pisani. Scores! A short-handed goal for Pisani. Here comes Connor McDavid, shifting right by Riley, right in, what a goal! My goodness, what a goal by Connor McDavid! Hey, hey, welcome to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Hernan Salas, of course, from TSN 1260 and the Two Guys in a Goalie podcast. On today's show, I'll be joined by Derek Van Dees from Post Media here in Edmonton as well. Recap the Stanley Cup Finals, the NHL bubble, which you have to applaud uh, a great job by them. And of course, we'll get into some Oiler talk as well. Remember, you can hit me up on social media at Hernan the Man at Locked On Oilers and give us a follow at Locked On Pods. And remember to download and subscribe on your favorite app for all the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The Tampa Bay Lightning are your 2020 Stanley Cup champions as they defeat the Dallas Stars by a score of 2-0 on Monday night. Blake Coleman, Braden Point with the goals there. Andre Vasilevsky with his first shutout of the playoffs. So his first career shutout uh, came at a perfect time as they win the Stanley Cup for the second time in the franchise is history. No asterisks on this cup, but in my opinion, a great achievement by Tampa in what was a unique and trying time in these bubble playoffs. Victor Hedman takes home the consmite, just beating Obrey in point by just four points. Both players were out of this world fantastic in these playoffs. I mean, Kucherov was just as good, uh, and Hedman becomes the second Lightning player, the third Swedish player, and the tenth different defenseman win the consmite. He joins Duncan Keith, Scott Niedermeyer, Nicholas Lidstrom, Scott Stevens, Brian Leach, Al McInnes, Larry Robinson, Bobby Orr, and Serge Savard. Another fascinating uh, you know little tidbit here Tampa Bay did not lose back-to-back games in these playoffs so this team was rolling throughout and you look at even guys like Blake Coleman and uh, Barclay Goudreau who you know their GM took a lot of heat for those uh, acquisitions and uh, because they gave up a lot but when you you know they were such a big part of this team that you're okay with when you make moves like that and it turns out like this Uh, there's no regrets trust me on their end from this but uh, that their line was fantastic for them how about Paddy Maroon with his second Stanley Cup in as many years Maroon is the eighth different player in NHL history to win the cup in consecutive seasons with different teams. The last one to do it was Corey Silman. Of course, Oilers fans don't want to remember that because his second one was in 2006 with the Carolina Hurricanes. And of course, always uh, nice little stories. Anytime the Stanley Cup is awarded, Zach Bogosian, 11 seasons of no playoffs. And his first time was this year in the postseason and he wins the Stanley Cup. So good on Zach Bogosian. Great to see Stamkos get that cup as well last night. Very emotional. I think as sports fans, there's nothing better than and watching these grown men uh you know act like kids and, and be just be so happy and you saw them, a lot of them communicating with their families through their phones facetimes and all that uh kudos to the tampa bay lightning this wasn't easy, easy i don't care what damian cox says the guys with families and even the guys that don't have kids and all that like imagine being in a bubble hotels for uh you know 65 days yeah the travel and all that obviously a little bit easier when it comes to that aspect but you're still playing the games you're still working your butt off blocking shots uh, playing injured and if 
I'm talking about it, so if you missed it, Damian Cox last night tweeted out, not as difficult to win a cup when there's no road games, no travel, still a difficult thing to do to win it all. Tampa gave lots of sweat and blood to make this happen, but let's not compare bubble hockey with the real thing. So uh, just a very ignorant statement there by Damian Cox. And, and for me, full marks to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they won me my fantasy uh, playoff pool. 400 bucks coming Hernan's way, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> so yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning, your Stanley Cup champs. Victor Hedman, the con Smythe winner. Patty Maroon, two-time champion. Back-to-back years. You gotta be happy for him. And how about that party in the streets of Tampa? Where are your mass people? <laughs> I mean, they're excited and all that, but uh, I think they forgot that uh, COVID is still here. <laughs> but we'll see what kind of celebrations and all that's gonna come from uh, the Tampa Bay winning in Tampa. So, congratulations once again to everybody in Tampa Bay, to all the players, and a big shout-out to the NHL. Gary Batman, you pulled this off. There was a lot of negativity towards it when the return-to-play plan was was presented and why are we doing this why is hockey returning but man you got to give him full marks like uh, i'm gonna clap right here on the podcast outstanding zero positive tests from start to finish and that's gonna give you confidence looking forward to next season no matter what happens there and, and just to quickly touch on it i don't want to get too in depth because there's I, I know tsn's frank cervelli had some stuff out there saying that one concept for a hybrid bubble that has been kicked around on a preliminary basis but not in a formal manner yet includes 46 bubbles in obviously locations around the nhl preferably in cities where fans would be allowed inside the arenas at least one hybrid bubble would be located in canada yeah there's some interesting uh, you know information here rotation of two weeks in the bubble followed by one week at home where the players can regroup with their families just one more here it says approximately 12 games per month which is doable given that there will be no travel between games other than flying in and out so we'll wait and see but you got to be confident i mean what they did in these bubble playoffs i, I think all of us had a little bit of a you know i don't know this is going to work like what happens if one team gets a case and all that but man they pass with flying colors the nhl so i look forward to see what happens for next season when we'll start that is still up in the air but uh like i said going forward here we got the draft kicking off on tuesday followed by free agency so fun times we'll see what the edmonton oilers do i'm sure we'll have lots to talk about this off season and uh one sad note uh, the spangler cup has been canceled this year because of the covid19 pandemic kind of all thought this was going to happen and uh, you know my buddy dustin nielsen from tsn 12 60 uh, was calling those games I, I think for the last two tournaments there so um, he'll have uh, he'll have this year off but hopefully it returns next year because it's such a great tournament I love seeing the fans there in the arenas jam-packed everybody's singing and Dusty does such a good job calling that as well and I love seeing the old NHLers playing there so it's always fun you know as I recorded yesterday this came right after I posted the podcast small trade as the Blackhawks acquired Brandon Peary from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Dylan Sakura and just some quick notes here of course on the Edmonton Oilers front i uh, just wanted to bring this one up also released yesterday but i, I kind of missed it uh, how about the oilers d prospect dmitry samarukov named khl rookie of the week for the second time already this season with one goal and two assists and two wins for csk moscow you know the Oilers got some nice young defensemen in the system will they turn into you know quality nhlers but this is positive news for edmonton and a big happy birthday to the little guy the little dude kyler yamamoto celebrating a birthday today of course he came up in the second half of the season and absolutely tore it up on that second line with Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, hopefully that's a line that we see going forward and Dave Tippett doesn't pull what he did in the bubble playoffs and not put them together till the last eight minutes of the season. Yes, as you can imagine, I'm still not over it. Kyler Yamamoto, 22 years old today, so a big happy birthday to the little guy. All right, coming up next, it's Derek Van Dees from Post Media in Edmonton as we talk Stanley Cup playoffs and some Oilers. And that's up next here on the Locked On Oilers podcast. 
Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Oilers podcast. I'm your host, Fernand Salas. As I'm now joined by Derek Van Dees from Post Media, you can connect with him on Twitter at Derek Van Dees. Derek, my friend, Tampa Bay Lightning are the 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Uh, you know, after the heartbreak from last year, uh, you kind of knew that they weren't going to let this slip away last night. But you were down at Rogers Place for most of, of the playoffs. Uh, just your thoughts on Tampa Bay uh, winning the prize. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It was uh, obviously a unique situation this year with uh, most of the playoffs happening here in Edmonton and, and uh, it was it was interesting because you got a chance to go watch the playoffs live uh, and obviously you got to see teams that you otherwise wouldn't have seen or wouldn't have watched live uh, in this thing and what 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 comes to mind and and I think what really came to light in this playoffs is 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 the attrition the battle of attrition that you that, that the Stanley Cup playoffs are it's basically last man standing type thing um, you know, it's a lot of hockey. A lot of guys get injured, and it's a situation where if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you need to have your a really solid roster, but then you also have to have uh, guys that can come in and make contributions. And, and the bottom half of your lineup is, is almost as important as the top half of your lineup. And we saw that with with Tampa Bay uh, when they lost some key guys. Obviously, they didn't have Stamkos for the entire mm-hmm. playoff run. But when they lost some key guys at, at times, when, when Braden Point went down, other guys came up and stepped up and filled those roles. And that's the, the important thing, I think. And that's the thing that stood out to me is, is when guy, key guys go down, you have someone in that can step up and fill those roles. And I look at the Colorado Avalanche, for example. To me, they were one of the best teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they were cruising until they lost Philip Grubauer, their goaltender, and they lost Eric Johnson, a key defenseman. And then they they really they didn't have a backup goaltender, and they, they ended up going to, you know to a third goaltender. They just it's it's such a war of attrition, and just one injury could really throw you throw you off. So to be able to navigate through everything uh, and do what they did is is quite impressive. And they were to me they were they were the better team in the final. Uh, they were going up against a pretty veteran savvy team in the Stars who just didn't go away. They just kept fighting and kept battling. I think a lot of people didn't have them pegged to go this far. I think a lot of people thought they would lose to Calgary and then they everyone thought they would lose to Colorado and then no one thought they would get past Vegas. So for them to get as far as they did was pretty impressive. But that's the thing that, that really stood out for me in this tournament is, is how much depth you need on your roster, how important some of those black aces are that come with you, how much you need a third goaltender, two, mm-hmm. you know, not just two solid goaltenders, sometimes a third uh, solid goaltender. Um, just how much, how important all that is uh, to winning the Stanley Cup. And you need luck, and you need luck, and you need bounces, and you need breaks. And uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning got those. Last night after the game, of course, uh, there was a tweet sent out by Damian Cog saying that it, you know, kudos to them, but it wasn't as hard because there was no travel involved. For me, Derek, I, I don't think I'd put an asterisk to this because I think it was yeah, equal playing field. There was more teams. Everybody was kind of in the same boat. Everyone was healthy to a certain extent. Uh, what do you make of comments like that when you see them from other media members saying like it wasn't as hard this time? Well, they're just, to me, lack of a better word, they're just ignorant. That's just an ignorant yeah. comment. That's on someone that's never had the fight for anything in his life or probably never won anything in his life. He doesn't know what it's like to be an NHL player. He doesn't know what it's like to 
to be out there and diving in front of mm-hmm. 80 mile an hour slap shots. He doesn't know what it's like to play injured. He doesn't know what it's like to play on one leg. He doesn't know what it's like to be a guy like Steven Stamkos who, who was ruled out of the series and he worked hard and he worked every day just to get to play two minutes and 47 seconds and score a goal and just contribute in that regard. So he has no clue. So when he says something like that, that's just, that's just an ignorant comment. I think this, every playoffs has its own different challenges and this one did. And you, you look at this tournament, and this, you know, it was a 24-team Stanley Cup playoff tournament, so a lot of teams were were, were able to, you know, to participate in it. Um, and everyone was healthy coming in for the most part. This is like usually towards the end of the, the regular season, teams are kind of beat up and battered up to begin with. Uh, but here you had, for the most part, everyone healthy and raring to go after a three-month break. And everyone was kind of on the same foot, you know, with the exception of a guy like Stamkos or, or some other exceptions. And then to do it in a situation where basically when you're in a hotel room for three, two months, two and a half yeah. months, um, to me, this is the most challenging uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in a sense that it was, it was, it was, a, it was a mental grind. And, and you really had to look um, – at that mental grind and how it affected some players. And it's tough because when you're told you can only stand, stay in one area for two and a half months and you don't have act, you know, contact to your kids, you don't have contact to your wife, you don't have contact to your family. Um, it's tough mentally. And, and you could kind of sense it in some of the players and they really had to dig deep. So if you look, if you want to put an asterisk on this one, I think this one was harder to win. Um, then maybe another one. Yeah, there was no travel involved. There was no you know, late nights and early mornings type thing. But um, just from just being uh, in that bubble, like I wasn't in the bubble. And to me, I, it took a drain on me to be going to the rink every day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and I wasn't even playing. So I can just imagine what it was like for the players to, to go in there. And I had the luxury of, of sleeping in my own bed. I could still see my family. I could do all those things. And these guys couldn't. They had to do everything uh, with on Skype and other other media platforms. So, no, I, I completely disagree with what Damian Cox is saying. I, I don't think he has a clue what he's talking about. I think it's an ignorant comment. And you don't you shouldn't take away anything from this victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It, it was well-deserved. Um, and I think that that's why you saw Dallas was so devastated when they lost. They, mm-hmm. Those guys were devastated because they had sacrificed so much to, 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 to get here and to get this far. And, and they had talked about the challenges of, of being in that bubble and not being allowed out and not being allowed, uh, you know, to, to basically they, they gave up their entire summers uh, for this to try and win this tournament. So um yeah, no. To me, that comment was was way offside, and and I'm not surprised coming from the source. He, that's just, but he has no clue what it's like to to win a championship. He has no clue to 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 play in in a Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, in a sense, it didn't surprise me that he, he'd make an ignorant comment like that. Joined by Post Media's Derek Van Dies here on the Locked On Orders podcast. Uh, Tampa had so many individual uh, great performances throughout these bubble playoffs. I mean, Braden Point was outstanding, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, but Hedman was the correct decision for the cons. Yeah, it was close. It was close yeah. between Hedman and Point, and and it, it's yeah. I think he he was so dominant. He was so good on that back end, and he played so much. And then he went up against other teams' top lines and. Uh, you know, it was just, it was so impressive what he did. And the, the, it's, 
it's it's interesting now because there's there's a lot of crop of good young defensemen coming up in this playoff kind of displayed that the, the Kelma cars and the and Quinton Hughes and but I still think that Hedman is by by far the best defenseman yeah. in the league and I think he's developed into the top guy and he's going to be the guy that a lot of players are going to kind of that's going to be the standard for a long long time and he's just so dominant at both ends of the ice and and uh, it, it was a pleasure to watch him play. Because I said, again, I don't get a chance to see him play live. So when you see a, a, a team play live, it's a little different than, than watching him on TV. You can see the little nuances and the little things he does away from the puck and away from the play. And, and he was just so good throughout this playoffs. Not that Braden Point wasn't. It was a tough, it was a tough cl- uh, decision. It was a close vote from what I understand. Um, but, yeah, Victor had been well-deserving of, of the con Smythe and uh, – you know, he's, he's going to be a pleasure to watch for, for a lot of years. Yeah, and then, you know, Derek, when the return-to-play plan was set in motion, there was a lot of, you know, negativity towards it. Like, why are they trying to bring hockey back in these difficult times around the world? And not much faith in the bubbles, but I, I got to say, the NHL hit it out of the park. I mean, zero positive cases throughout the 65 days in Edmonton and Toronto. Like, you truly have to be impressed with what the NHL did. Yeah, and, and you have to tip your hat to them and their team and Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and all those who, who decided who put this together this this is unprecedented times no one mm-hmm. knew what was going to happen you know in this in in every league around the world basically pause for a couple months and then try to figure out a way to come back and come back and play safe safely and and come back because i you know i, I do think that we need sports as an outlet we need sports as an entertainment and i think uh, you look at the leagues that have come back, it's it's kind of strange watching them without fans. And I think we realize how important the fan base is to the, the, the sporting event. It's it's not the same when the fans aren't there. And, you know, you can't, can't wait till we get to play see sports again with, with fans out in droves. And I think there'll be a, a, a better appreciation of sports with fans involved. But, you know, just it's they they had they had a blank sheet and the NHL said okay how are we going to do this what is the plan let's let's yeah. let's let's think of a plan and i think a lot of credit goes to them to for this plan and i think you have to give some credit to the Oilers and the Oilers entertainment group for for offering the building and doing what they could to try and get uh, you know be a, a bubble city and and it went without a hitch there were so many things that could have derailed this thing there were so many things that could have gone wrong and and going in, I was a little bit skeptical that they were mm-hmm. someone wasn't going to test positive, and it would go through the dressing room, and and the team, and you know, would have to uh, basically forfeit a game. Like you, you look at all the other sports, and the NHL was the only one I believe that didn't have a positive test of its athletes. You look at M, uh, Major League Soccer; a couple teams had to drop out because they were they were infected. You look at European soccer; a bunch of players were infected in Europe. Um, you look at the NBA; they had some players infected in the NBA had some issues with their bubble um, you look at all the other sports and I think the NHL is the only one that you know what none of their players had a positive test and I think they have to be commended for that they have to be commended for keeping their players safe and keeping the product and the product didn't dilute really there was some really good hockey played during these playoffs and I think uh, you know I'm interested to see what plan they have going forward for, for next season, but yeah, they need to be commended for, for what they did and, and, and putting this together and, and having it go off without a hitch. Really. They didn't have really many, very many problems uh, when it comes to the COVID cases. Uh, They really, they're really strict on who could come in and come out of that bubble. Um, And they did a great job. And and I think the players got to be commended too, because 
it would have been easy for a player or two to kind of break quarantine or break the bubble and, and, and ruin it for everybody. But I think they all, they all said, you know what, this is serious and we're going to have to abide by all the rules here and, and to get whatever it is, 600 guys to, to kind of all, all follow the rules all the time. It's not an easy thing to do, and but they did it and they pulled it off, and I, yeah, they have to be commended for it. The big question now, as the off season is officially on, is uh, what happens next season. But you got to have faith in the NHL after pulling uh, the, uh, these bubble playoffs off for sure. Coming oh, up next, sure. yeah, yeah, no, go ahead, Derek. No, no, for sure. I, I, you know, it does restore some faith when yeah. it comes to what, what they're going to do next because they pulled this off so well, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to do their due diligence just as just as much, uh, you know. Uh, for the regular season next year. Yeah, we'll get to free agency and the draft as it all gets going next week. That's up next here on the Locked On Oilers podcast. I'm Hernan Salas, joined by Derek Van Dees from Post Media. Back here on the Locked On Orders podcast, I'm your host, Hernan Salas, and today I'm joined by Derek Van Dees from Post Media here in Edmonton. Uh, Derek, let's talk some Oilers as we head into uh, the draft that gets going next Tuesday, followed by free agency. The uh, Oilers have the number 14th overall pick in this year's draft, and then they don't pick again until the 5th, uh, and they don't have a lot of money to spend <laughs> either, but when it comes to the draft, are are you one of those, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of Edmonton media on the podcast, and I've asked them the same thing, but will, will the Oilers be drafting at 14 or do you see it being moved for that number one goalie well they want that goalie um aroslav Ark Arka, i can't even pronounce his Askarov? name As- As- Askarov, i think it is yeah aroslav yeah. Askarov, and he i think his just his stock has really risen yeah uh, at the start of the khl season uh, i think you know not, not a lot of people knew about this kid and they knew he was talented but since he's st- this khl started playing and the things he's doing in the khl right now um, you know he's he's being compared to to Vasilevsky. Like it's 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 one of those things. He could be the next really great Russian goaltender. And it's interesting how the Russians are now producing these great goalies. Yeah. When you look at the the Stanley Cup final, three to four goalies were were Russians. So um, it, it's it's interesting because I think the Oilers would like to have him, but he's not going to help you out for at least a couple of seasons. Like they need mm-hmm. help right now. So I think. It's going to be interesting how they approach this draft, but you're right. They don't have, they don't have a lot of picks. I think they don't have a, they have a first round pick and then they they've traded their second and third round pick. So they don't have a pick again to the fourth round, I believe. So um, they may trade down to get some picks from, from that 14. If, if they're good, that goaltender is not there. I don't know about trading up. Cause I don't know if they have much to, to, to be able to move up in the, in the draft mm-hmm. to try and select this goaltender. Um, but I know they really like him and this is the guy they probably should be after. But I think they're going to wait to see how the draft pans out. It never pans out the way that you think it is. There's always uh, teams that go off the board and, and, and take take players that you're, you're not expected for them to take. So, um, But it'll be interesting to see because the owners need help now. I, yeah. you, know, you, can't look, you can't look two or three years down the road because their window to win is now. You, you got McDavid. You're in his fifth year of McDavid now. You got Dreisaitl here. You got the two best players in the world. Uh, you can't start building around them and hoping that in three years you have a roster that can that can play with them. You, know, you you need to fill out that roster now. And so I think, to me, I think Ken Holland's looking at this window, going, "Okay, we have some picks. What can we trade picks for? Maybe some warm bodies and some players that can help us now." I think he'll do that. I, I really do believe he'll do that. Obviously, there's always a danger in that because you're not stocking the cupboard. It, when you start trading away your picks, and, and that's what he's doing. Like you look at the trick, uh, the trade for Athena Seu, 
He gave up two second round picks for Athena Sayo, and now do you not qualify him and basically yeah. throw away those two second round picks? Guy played like 15 games or whatever it was for for the Oilers and didn't do much in the postseason. So some of some of, he he took a gamble this year, uh, hoping for a long playoff run. The gamble didn't pay off, but now he's I think Ken Holland's really gonna have to. This got a lot of work to do because this roster is far from being a Stanley Cup competitor, uh, a Stanley Cup contender, as we saw what the rosters looked like for the teams that got to this point in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, but uh, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they'll wait out and see when they get at 14. If that goaltender is still there, I think they'll take him. But if he's not, then I expect to see some movement. Yeah, and just seeing the rankings, Derek, uh, a, a lot of, you know, the uh, prospects, uh, media out there saying Askarov won't be there at 14 because he's that good. So we'll wait and see on that. And then according to Cap Friendly, the, yeah, the Oilers have that first rounder and then uh, they pick in the fifth, sixth, and seventh. And they got that third rounder that they can give up either this year or next year. So we'll wait to see on that because I'm with you. I think the Oilers are in win mode now and they can't be waiting two, three years for a goaltender. Uh, what's one player personnel decision you see the Edmonton Oilers making this offseason? If you had to pick one, Derek. Uh, um, I see them getting a goaltender. I see them somehow okay. getting a second goaltender coming here, whether it's Braden Holpe or, you know, I don't think they have a shot at Markstrom. They're going to have to pay him a lot of money to come here. But but there are some goaltenders available, uh, free agent goaltenders available um, to come here. Now, you know, you talk about some of that, like what kind of price will you pay? Because so many teams are looking for goaltenders. And I think if anything, you need two solid goaltenders. Even the Montreal Canadiens realize that, that they can't play Carey Price 80 games a year and then yeah. have him fresh for the playoffs. So they, they got him some help in, in net. And you're thinking about that, you, you know, you're paying a guy $10 million a year and you know, you, you needed to get him some help. So he, so he doesn't have to play as much. So it's kind of interesting, but there are some, some goalies, goaltenders out there, and I think that's the number one thing that uh, Ken Holland is looking at. He hasn't ruled out bringing back Mike Smith, but I don't think the, you know the Smith-Koskinen tandem will will work for the Oilers again. Um, I really think they have to get a guy that's been around the league that's solid. You know, could you go get a Darcy Camper? Yes, but I wouldn't give up the first rounder for Darcy Camper. And I think that Arizona is looking around and they want to get that first rounder back that they lost. Uh, because of that whole situation with their prospects, they, they took away that first-round pick. So they're going to be trading some high-end players for some draft picks. Uh, but I personally, I don't think Darcy Kemper is worth a first-round pick, uh, but someone else might think that, and I think that's the, the, the situation right now. And he's not worth 14, in my opinion, but you know maybe someone down the line, you know, 25, 26, 27, uh, may think he's worth it. So, But the, to me, that's the number one um, – issue for the Oilers right now I think that's the number one move and once they get that goaltender in place whoever it is and once they figure out how much money they're going to spend on goaltending this year then I think the other pieces will start falling into place. Eric are you of the mindset that the two goalie system works in the regular season but not in the playoffs because uh, this playoffs was the outlier for me because you saw a lot of teams flip-flopping between their goalies there's a lot of back-to-backs and all that in, in the playoffs but for me like I, I like knowing that I have like a Vasilevsky who played every minute for Tampa Bay as opposed to you know going with the two goalie system in the playoffs where do you stand on that because I, I agree it works in the regular season because we've seen it we saw here in Edmonton but when it comes to the playoffs I like having one legit goaltender no for sure and I think the the situation is you need two to get you in the playoffs and then you need one to get hot in the playoffs I think yeah. that's the the situation and but you do need two just in case you lose your starter you case mm-hmm. in point the Colorado Avalanche if they had two quality goaltenders they, they would have lost Gruber and the other guy would have jumped in and and you know that would have been fine like the 
the reason the Avalanche weren't in the playoffs because they didn't get the goaltending once Grubauer went down and they yeah. were in trouble and they knew they were in trouble. So, you, but you're right. Usually in the playoffs, you go with your guy, you go with your number one guy, and and you go with him. And now there's going to be a lot of debate whether or not the Oilers didn't made the right call in starting Smith in, in game one. Now, I didn't have a problem with Smith starting in game one against the Blackhawks. My issue was he should have been pulled at three, nothing in the first period. And they, they kept him in and I think it was five, nothing by the time they pulled him. So, you know, at three, nothing, you still have a chance to get back in that game. And that's the mistake I think that the Oilers made in, in that one. And they kind of set the tone for the whole series, but yeah, you do need two solid goaltenders. And we saw it with the Vancouver. We saw it with, obviously, Dallas. They lost a number one guy. And Kadoma came in there and, and kind of took it from there. So you need you need a guy that can play. Uh, you can't have one really good goalie and then the other guy that never plays. Eric Van Dees from Post Media here in Edmonton joining me on the Locked On Oilers podcast. One last one here for you. Tyler Ennis, 30 years old. I mean, he he left in the playoffs with a significant uh, injury there. But would you bring him back on a short term? I would. I would because he's a, he's a veteran. He's a pro. And he's you need those guys. You need those veterans and you need those guys with NHL experience. And he's that guy. And, and you can't have uh, a team without uh, you know that, that experience. And you, you look at the... the you know, these two teams that won the, the Stanley Cup, the Dallas Stars, for example, they had a lot of older veterans yeah. on that team that willed them to that final. So I would bring them back. I would bring them back. At, you know, you have to bring them back, obviously, at a reasonable rate, something that you could fit under the cap. Uh, but I would bring I would bring Tyler Ennis back. I would bring him back and, and see how he can help you out. He's going to pitch in, you know, 15 goals for him, you know, the 10 to 15 goals. This year. He's still got a lot of talent. He's still uh, a very, you know, dynamic player when he, when he, when he can be. So I think if you put him in the right situations, he can be a real good player. Derek, this has been great. Thank you for taking the time to join me the day after the Stanley Cup was presented here in Edmonton to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, uh, fun times next week with the draft and the offseason, and then we wait to see when uh, next season will kick off. But Derek, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. And just where can people find your work? Uh, Yeah, uh, I'm on Post Media at uh, edmontonsun.com, edmontonjournal.com. Uh, the Edmonton Journal, the Edmonton Sun, and on the occasion, I'll be uh, I write national columns for the chain, so Toronto Sun, Winnipeg Sun, uh, things like that. So I'm around. Uh, so hopefully, I, you know, this will be interesting next week with the draft, and I'm looking forward to it. Right. Thanks again, Derek. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Once again, a big thank you to Derek Van Dies from Post Media here in Edmonton and fellow Chilean. I uh, forgot to throw that in there while I was chatting with him. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Derek for joining me on today's pod, talking uh, Stanley Cup Finals, the bubble playoffs, and of course, Edmonton Oilers. On tomorrow's show, I'll be joined by, by Tyler Madaraz, co-host of the NHL Morning Skate and the Fantasy Hockey Show on Sirius XM NHL. That's Tyler Madaraz from Sirius XM NHL joining me on tomorrow's podcast as well go around the NHL and have some fun with that. Remember, you can connect with me on Twitter at HernanTheMan and at LockedOnOilers. What are your thoughts on today's content? Any questions you have for Tyler? Then let me know if you want uh, what you'd like to hear going forward here on the Locked On Oilers podcast. Always appreciate the feedback as well. And don't forget to subscribe and download on all your favorite apps for the latest episodes and keep those downloads coming as a uh, you know podcast doing really well. Really appreciate all the support from uh, all Oilers fans and, and just hockey fans in general that listen to this podcast. Producer Mauricio is flashing the red light. That means it's time to wrap up this edition of Locked On Oilers. Thank you for listening once again. We'll be back on Wednesday. I'm Hernan, the man talking Los Petroleros. Have a good one. Locked On Oilers.